When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. On Theme is a production of iHeartRadio and Fairweather Friends Media. You are listening to Today's episode for great art, we grateful. Obviously, we have this podcast, right? And it's about Black storytelling. So that means that we care about Black storytelling. Yes. One one would assume. (laughs) Do you agree? (laughs) You're on a stand right now. (laughs) So all of this that we do on this podcast is based on gratitude, I would say. Mm -hmm. Because we wouldn't be talking about Black storytelling and wanted to share it in the ways that we do and learn about it in the ways that we do and think critically about it in the ways that we do unless we were thankful for it. Today, we are specifically talking about gratitude. So how do you feel about gratitude in general? Like, is it as an emotion and a state of being? Is it something that you're connected to? Um, I say I would probably need to lean into it more. But it's like, sometimes you're definitely grateful for what you have, but you also take it for granted. Mm. And you only realize you're grateful for it when it's not there. Guess I never know what you got till it's gone. That's me. I know I got it. I don't know what y'all on. I don't know. I got it. I be bullshitting. But yeah, it's definitely a practice that I need to lean into more, I'd say. How about you? Mm -hmm. I think I'm pretty good at it. And I'm better at it now. It's been easier for me to get better at it over time because with life comes experience. And with experience comes a lot of loss over time. So I'm grateful for everything that I've gone through. You know, I feel like it's easier to step back now at this point in my life and look at like, oh, like I'm here. That's what's up. Like I could have really not been here right now because not all of life is easy. Like many parts of it are a struggle, not just by virtue of like all the identities that we show up in, but like in our own individual lives. So long answer, but the short answer is I think I'm decent at it. Okay. Humble, humble gal. (laughs) (laughs) But we got to give it up to all the Black storytellers and the Black stories that we learn from. And 
we love from because the gratitude, I know I just made that really serious, but (laughs) gratitude doesn't always have to be such a serious thing. Sometimes it's serious, yes. And sometimes the Black stories are life-changing, they're world-changing, they're about really serious parts of people's lives. People want to share them for really big and bold reasons. And then sometimes it's just like the stories that we're grateful for are just like, they made me feel better that day. Yeah, I'm grateful this exists. Exactly. It exists in the world. So today, we like to shout out a few stories that we're thankful exist in this world. Like, we are so lucky they didn't just remain a thought in their creator's mind. They shared it with us, and are we better for it? Stories big and small are worthy of our flowers. So this episode is just a little reminder to reflect on the stories that we appreciate. So Eves, what story are you grateful for that has been told? The Black story that I brought today is Carrie Mae Weems's Kitchen Table series. So I picked this because it had a real emotional effect on me when I first saw it. And I think that is a very important part of the things that we value. You know, of course, there are always the ways that it's impactful in maybe political or social ways. And of course, all of those are valid. But there is an unexplainable emotion that came up in me when I first saw the Kitchen Table series. And I react that way to a lot of Carrie Mae Weems's work. I think the first time that I saw her work in person was at Spelman at their art museum many years ago. And I just could not stop staring <laughs> at it. But with the Kitchen Table series, just so everyone who hasn't seen it, it is photographs and then it has accompanying text. So she started taking the photographs in 1989 and then finished the series in 1990. And she took the photographs before she came up with the text. I think her story is that she went on a long drive, took her recorder with her as she always did, and then came up with the text for it afterwards. So if you look at the photographs, they're all black and white photographs. There's 20 of them. And she's the main character, but then she has a cast of other people around her. So there's like her lover, there are her daughters, there are her friends that are in the photographs with her. And she presents herself in a variety of scenes. So every single scene is set around this table, this butcher block table. There is a single light, a pendant light with a like triangular lampshade hanging over it. So it's black and white, but you can tell that the light is lit. So you're looking down this table as if you're on one side of the table. And you have these long lines leading on either side of the table to the end of what seems like a pretty small room or small small area of the room. And the people who are in it are usually there on that side of the table, closer to the opposite walls. And so every one of the photographs is taken from that perspective. Some of her doing things like putting lipstick on with her daughter. Another one of her interacting with a bird in a bird cage. There's another one of her comforting her lover who's in the picture. There is another one of her laughing with her friends, playing cards, smoking. There are half-empty alcohol bottles in the pictures and things like that. So there are domestic scenes. There are scenes of camaraderie and kinship. There are scenes of family life. There are scenes that feel like things are unsaid, like you can tell something's going on because one person's in the background with their arms crossed looking at another person while they seem to be in some sort of distress. Um, So you can tell there's conflict just by looking at the pictures. You can feel the tension that happens between people. And 
To me, it feels like there's so much tenderness and warmth in the photos because even though they're black and white, the lighting that she uses and the postures that she uses give it that feeling. And they are staged photos. They're not candid photos. So all of the choices that were made were choices for sure. So as part of the series, there were also 14 text sheets and that had its own narrative. And I am so grateful that she ended up adding those to it because I really like the balance between the photos and the text. The text essentially tells this story of her and her lover and how she felt about it, how she was reflecting on things like marriage and monogamy and partnership with people, relationships, motherhood, all of these huge topics that she boiled down into these 14 slides of text to further illustrate the story that was happening throughout the course of these photos because you can, from the story, the photos alone, see this story of a woman moving through life and that there is a larger world outside of the world that was taking place in this kitchen. Right, Which right. in itself is already a such a rich storytelling place. You know, like, it's a kitchen. Like, yeah. you know, there's so much about patriarchy and matriarchy and so many other things that are centered around the kitchen, around in storytelling, things that happen around dinner tables, like often important conversations, really hard conversations happen around kitchen tables, their rich places for family life, all of those things that are elements of storytelling come up in just one photo. When I first saw it, I didn't have the language for that. I was younger. I hadn't gone through the things I'm going through now. It's like when you're a kid and you sing the R&B song, you're like, yeah, I lost my man. I'm too damn full of uh-huh. reason. Mm. And he won't come back. But you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really received that work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't really know much about it from a lived experience perspective yet. But the thing is, it's like, that's what work that affects you does. It's like, it brings this thing out of you before you even know it's in you. Yeah. And I feel like... Now, at this point in my life, I've been able to evolve with it. Like, and I see it in different ways now that I go back and read the text in her work. So, for instance, at one point, she's talking about how she goes to her mom for advice because she's struggling in her relationship. So, throughout this narrative, she's talking about the ups and downs with this man. She's like, you know, he didn't want kids, but she wanted kids. And she was working and he wasn't working. And he was feeling away about the way she was out and about, and he wasn't out and about. (laughs) And uh, there's a point where she goes to her mom for advice about her relationship. This is what her mom says to her. Quote, you got to give a little to get a little. That's the story of life. So there's another part where she talks about children. So she's using the third person when she's talking about the woman who's present in these photos. So they're not autobiographical photos, I should say. Okay. It's not an autobiographical story, but she uses herself as a stand-in to be this character that people are following, this muse, in order to represent universal themes. She says, quote, Oh yeah, she loved the kid. She was responsible, but took no deep pleasure in motherhood. It caused deflection from her own immediate desires, which pissed her off. And then there is another part where, um, one of my favorite parts of the text narrative of the series is a big chunk paragraph uh, where she's calling back to Black songs to illustrate her struggle with her man, like go tell it on the mountain, like going down by the river and all these things. From a storytelling perspective, I really appreciate that, all her callback, that even if I don't know intimately and didn't grow up with those songs or works, they're a part of the the language, of Mm -hmm. of the shared language. But all of that said, now that the scene has been set for everyone, I chose this one in in gratitude for it just because I felt like it was an entry point for me 
in terms of how I viewed art about Black women who was in the photographs and in art, how I could express myself in my own art. So I felt like everything was so delicate. I had an immediate response to looking at it that made me feel like there was a knowing before I even knew for myself. So there was an interview that she did in Bomb many years ago with Daoud Bey. And she said in that interview, quote, another thing that's interesting about the early work is that even though I've been engaged in the idea of autobiography, other ideas have been more important. The role of narrative, the social levels of humor, the deconstruction of documentary, the construction of history, the use of text, storytelling, performance, and the role of memory have all been more central to my thinking than autobiography. So knowing that she says that, also knowing about her background in folklore, I really appreciate all of the story within a story and the nodding to larger stories in the work that she did, all of the myths that came together in one and all of the archetypes that she had in there that she represented through the narrative that she was telling in that work really served as an inspiration to me for being able to so elegantly and authentically mesh all of those things together and tell a story that was impactful and beautiful, but like still real. Yeah, I wonder if it was like you're, because you said you saw it when you were younger and hadn't had these life experiences that she was, you know, alluding to and portraying. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it was like your future self acknowledging that, you know, like you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. But like your spirit got it already Mm -hmm. when you first saw it. I do think that's what happened. It felt like a kind of mysticism or like a a fortune telling Mm -hmm. in a way. But that's probably because she so astutely or critically like thinks about the way we move through life Mm -hmm. and aims to do that through her work. Like to be able to touch that deeper thing that you don't even know that you've touched it or have been able to access. Right. I don't know if I can even fully explain it, but I think that's okay. And our experience of art is not always about, or life in general, like uh, understanding immediately why something makes sense to you in a certain way. But yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. On that same train of thought, I'm wondering how you will experience the work when you're 90 and like looking back at yeah all the things that it's portraying that you most likely won't be going through because she wasn't a 90-year-old woman <laughs> um, mm-hmm. making these photos and she hadn't really experienced life beyond where she was in that time. I don't know. That's a good question that I'm kind of like stumped by mm. because I couldn't have even imagined the ways in, that I connect to it now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to imagine the ways that I'll connect it, to it in the future. But I appreciate the longevity of being able to carry it through so many parts of my life. Do you think you will connect to it um, so far into the future? Because there's pieces of art that we like really like at certain parts of our <laughs> life. And then it's like, oh, this really doesn't resonate anymore. I think this one will be a long-lasting gratitude. But, you know, short-lived gratitude has its place, too. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, clear that what we needed in that moment. So I def- I don't want to say one is better than the other either. That's fair. Yeah, and I'll also say that this was part, this was a body of work that really helped 
propel her to wider acclaim and audiences. And so there is an impact that it had outside of me as well. She was able to be an inspiration to others in the art world. So through this work and all of her other work, created a legacy that I'm grateful for. I also think it's important to point out that, because you you mentioned like a lot of people liking her work. And I think sometimes we have this tendency to only want to say we like very obscure things that not everybody likes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, everyone likes it for a reason. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's mm-hmm. nice. It made a lot of people feel that way. And just because something is popular or a lot of people like it or have seen it or have commented on it, it doesn't make it, like, less cool to, like... So I'm glad you pointed this one out. Mm. And for the people that haven't seen it, I think once they do look at it and fall in love with it, too, it's, like, it's more speaking to Carrie Mae Weems' ability to, like, capture the human experience for Mm. all types of people. Yeah, across time. Across time, too, yeah. Because there's probably other parts of the the series that other people really resonate with. Whether it's just, like, laughing with friends. Like, oh, yeah, I, I really remember when I did that mm-hmm. and how fun that was. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. like, it really, like, sits with them in different ways, too. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I'll share which story I'm grateful for after the break. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. 
That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See Lisa.com for more details. So, Katie, what work are you grateful for? I'm grateful for Fannie Lou Hamer's 1964 speech at the Democratic National Convention. So Fannie Lou Hamer ran for Congress in 1964 with the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. So that was a party formed by SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, to expand Black voter registration and challenge the legitimacy of Mississippi's all-white Democratic Party. So in 1964, the Mississippi Freedom Party came to the DNC intent on unseating the official Mississippi delegation, or if they failed to unseat them, to, like, gain a seat beside them. So on August 22nd, Mrs. Fannie Lou Hamer appeared before the convention's credentials committee and told her story about trying to register to vote in Mississippi. And one thing that's interesting about this, and I think broadly about Black stories, especially in this time when we're talking about, like, book banning, Mm -hmm. President Lyndon Johnson was so afraid of what Fannie Lou Hamer was going to say. He called an impromptu press conference. And so, of course, if the president's on TV, no matter what's on TV, like, it's going to go to him. Mm-hmm. And he did it on purpose so people would not hear her. But she still said the speech, and it was still recorded, so it aired later that night, and it aired on all the major networks, so it didn't work. He tried. But it just showed how scared he was of, like, truth-telling and how scared America is of, like, Black people telling the truth. And so she starts the speech by talking about who she is. She gives her whole address, which I just love because (laughs) I'm like, this is a rich text. Like, she's like, you're going to know who I am. And she states where she lives, which is Ruleville, Mississippi. And I live at 626 East Lafayette Street, Ruleville, Mississippi. Sunflower County, and who her representatives are. So James James O. Eastland and Senator Stennis. So she's setting the stage, right, for where she is in the country, what's the atmosphere of where she's living, and who's representing her. So she has James O. Eastland, who stated that The Civil Rights Act of 1964 was the most monstrous and heinous piece of legislation that has ever been proposed in the entire history of the U.S. Congress. So that's what she's coming up against. That's where she's trying to vote. So she sets the stage in that way, which I think is really important. And also what I loved about Miss Fannie Lou Hamer is how plain spoken she is and She's, like, not putting on airs, right? Because, you know, sometimes you're, like, in front of Congress, you feel like you have to, you know, speak the way they speak. But she didn't do that. She spoke the way she spoke. And it was powerful because it's, like, every subject and verb don't have to agree. You know what the fuck I'm saying? And it's, like, very powerful. So she talks about how they went to register to vote. It was the 31st of August in 1962 that 18 of us traveled 26 miles. And they, it was like so much hypocrisy and unfairness that was going on. They got fined for the bus they were riding in being the wrong color. Like, what does that even mean? You know, they were given um, poll taxes. And they only allowed two of us in to take the literacy test at the time. They're turned away, and she's a sharecropper. And when she gets back to the plantation that she works on, the landowner says that... If you don't go down and withdraw your registration, you will have to leave. She needs to go withdraw her registration, or she can't live there anymore. 
And even if she does, she still might get kicked out because Mississippi isn't ready for that. But she stood up and was like, I ain't registered for you, I registered for me. And I think that takes a lot of courage because, like, where do you go? And I do think at that time, you know, she was in community, she was an activist. So she had people who had her back. But at the end of the day, it is like you, your husband, your kids. And this is kind of all you known. And it took a lot of courage to lose your livelihood, no matter how unfair being a sharecropper is, but lose your livelihood and where you live for this possibility to be able to vote. So she talks about that. And then she talks about how, you know, people were shooting 16 bullets at the home of Mr. and Mrs. Robert Tucker and that were meant for her. People were after her because of this. And when you think about even like the book banning, it's like, what are you so afraid of? You know, Mm -hmm. like you're doing all this so I don't vote. Like you're doing all this so people don't read the words I have to say. So I feel like when people, like in this case, like white people of the state are doing these things to stop us from voting, stop us from reading. I think they don't understand how emboldening it is. Like, it's scary, but it's like, if you're getting this mad, I must be on to something. All of this is on account of we want to register. And I get that from her speech. Um, So she's talking about attending the voter workshop and getting pulled over and being booked into jail and, like, being beat. And it's a very, you know graphic description she tells about like state sanctioned violence like she's getting beat by different cops in the in the jail to scream and one white man got up and began to beat me in my head and tell me to hush being called a nigger and her dress being hiked up while she's getting beat and then she ends her speech with a very powerful rhetorical question is this america the land of the free and the home of the brave, where we have to sleep with our telephones off of the hook because our lives be threatened daily because we want to live as decent human beings in America. And she really forced America to look at itself. And I think there's a long history of Black Americans forcing America to look at itself. And America really refusing to do so. Because when you truly look at what America is versus what it claims to be, it doesn't square. Mm -hmm. It's very hypocritical. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that she told this story. You know, it's first person. Like, a lot of speeches are like hypotheticals. Like, if we don't do this, then this will happen. But she's like, no, this is what happened to me last week. Mm-hmm. type shit. So I think that's very powerful. And, you know, being in Mississippi at that time, like, you know, my grandparents were in Mississippi around that time. And it was just hectic being there. But you get on, you know, the world stage and tell what happened to you. You don't know what's going to happen when you go back to Mississippi. So I'm glad that she, you know, had the courage to stand up and say that. I think it's very interesting that the president was so threatened by her because other people spoke that day too. Martin Luther King spoke. President didn't, did not um, interrupt Martin Luther King speaking, but it was something about Fannie Lou Hamer speaking. Someone who had, you know, a sixth grade education and was a sharecropper who learned about voting from young activists and was like, I want to do that. That frightened them so much. And I think it's just really a lesson. And you don't have to be, you know, that great man. You don't have to be the the main person, the leader, the, you know, most educated or whatever um, superlative that's out there 
to really shake some shit up because she shook some shit up because they didn't get the Mississippi Freedom Party did not get, you know, the seats that year. But four years later, they did. And I, I just love that for for Fannie Lou Hamer and for all the people who came behind her. Like, you know, people love to shit on Mississippi, but I'm like, you could never <laughs> shit on Mississippi because, you know, like so many people came up out of that tradition. You know what I mean? So that's the one that I think about, about gratitude, like really just like speaking truth to power, mm-hmm. no matter the consequences. We'll be back with more gratitude after the break. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Speeches are such a powerful part of Black storytelling and Black history. Um, but this specific speech that you brought, I like that you brought it because it's not this one that's like, I'm speaking at you, mm-hmm. as so many speeches often are, because that's the role, that's that's the job that you're given, you know. This one, it feels like more of like a testimony, it which is. is a Black Southern tradition. Mm-hmm. So she I really appreciate it that you brought that as a form of storytelling because it's such a deeply important form of storytelling for Black people. 
And this is something that could have happened in a small interior space and to call back to, like, this kitchen table from earlier for Carrie Mae Weems that happens so much for Black people in home spaces and interior spaces like that. But this was such such an exterior space. You're, it's being televised. It's being recorded. And it's in front of people who you know don't have your best interests at heart and you laying it all on the line. Like, yes, the work that she was doing, like, as an activist was her laying it all on the line. But, like, telling your story in front of people who don't want you alive alone is already... Like, you laying your life on the line. Mm -hmm. You're already giving something up. You know, when we choose to share our stories with people in such a public and vulnerable way, we're already choosing to give something up. So I really appreciate it that you brought this kind of story to Mm -hmm. the table. And I can tell that it really meant a lot to you. And I know it meant a lot to so many other people, too. Yeah, I mean, I grew up learning about Fannie Lou Hamer, um, but the first time I heard this particular speech when she was describing being beat by the Negro officer and being held down by the Negro officer and being beat till the first one was too tired to beat her. And so they get another person to beat her. And just thinking about, like, all that she personally went through, but, like, all Black people have gone through. I feel like kind of like how you feel about the the Kitchen Table series. Mm-hmm. I feel like my future self was like, girl, you need to hear this. Yeah. So you're ready, mm-hmm. you know, when shit go down to know like what your ancestors went through. And, you know, like recent ancestors, you know, Fann- I, Fannie Lou Hamer was not that old when she died. Like she could still be alive today. But because of all the racism, all the beatings she endured, she had a lot of health problems. But having that knowledge of, like, this is what they went through, and you need to hear these words. And they tried to make it so you couldn't hear these words. And I think that makes it even, like, more of an imperative that we hear it and that we also share it, too. For people who are thinking about creating works, you know, and who don't know if their voices are, quote-unquote, important enough to be heard or if they're maybe fearful around sharing what they have to say, like, it's just so important because you never know how somebody might be affected by it. So I think that's another thing that I think about in gratitude. Like it's recognizing and acknowledging and honoring like what we do have. We know that when it comes to Black stories specifically, so many more that are out there that are waiting to be told too. So it's like I have this like future gratitude for like the fact that we still exist and we have the capability of like creating and sharing so many more stories. And now it's time for roll credits. Eves, who or what are you giving credit to? I want to give credit to the South because you talked about Mississippi and how people be banging on Mississippi, but people bang on the South in general and people bang on the South who be from the South. <laughs> people bang on the South from international locations and ain't never been to the South. Mm. There is a construction and conception of the South that is inaccurate in so many ways, but, you know, I'm biased because I'm from the South. So, I mean, I see it fully, though. And I am also proud of my Southerness. I respect my Southerness. I'm grateful, speaking of gratitude, for my Southerness and for the South. And the South has, it's obviously a complex place like so many others are, but so many people who have done amazing things have come from the South, just like Fannie Lou Hamer. That's what I want to give credit to today, the South. Shout out the South. 
So for my roll credits, I want to start by saying that we started on theme for it to be a dialogue, um, not between just us, but between our listeners and people who love Black stories. And so I want to give credit to one of our listeners, Andy Davis, 18. Um, That's Andy, A-N-D-I-E, Davis, 18. They created a Instagram reel in response to one of our episodes, to our first episodes talking about beginnings. And they not only just talked about liking the episode, but I feel like they really added to it. Mm -hmm. They mentioned the first line of the autobiography of my mother by Jamaica Kincaid. So yeah, I really love the conversations that we have with each other, with our guests and with our listeners. So I encourage folks that if you want to add to the conversation, go ahead. There's many ways to do that. You know, there's social media, there's the reviews, there's our email. So I'm grateful for folks who are doing that. So I think that's all we have this week, right, Katie? We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, y'all. On Theme is a production of iHeartRadio and Fairweather Friends Media. This episode was written by Eves Jeffco and Katie Mitchell. It was edited and produced by Tari Harrison. Follow us on Instagram at OnThemeShow. You can also send us an email at hello at onTheme.show. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today.